Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. to the two guys at a mic show on the talkzone.com and a beautiful Thursday here in the fine city of Chicago the big dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock thank you so much for joining us hope your morning is off to an outstanding start producer extraordinaire speaking about standing on the other side of the glass David Olson he will be with us through the next 58 minutes and 22 seconds of sports and more here on the two guys at a mic show got plenty to talk about today including the NBA playoffs, Chicago Bulls game six. We got a couple of series that wrapped up yesterday, and the big dog hopefully is going to be able to tell me who won the uh, Clippers Grizzlies game because it was much too late for me to stay up for. So we're off and running here. Our phone lines are open at 888 463 6748. We're going to jump off the sports page today as well and talk uh, Barack Obama. I would stand up and give him a Standing ovation for his announcement yesterday. Me and the Big Dog will discuss a little uh, sports guys talk political slash social issues here in the Two Guys in a Mic show. Without further Joseph ado, let me introduce my good partner, the Big Dog, Joe Radwanski. Big Dog, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, Coach. How are you doing? Uh, adequate. Highly adequate, I'd like to say. I like to confuse people with the highly adequate. I think that's a good way. Kind of. Throws him a little. It's like a little curveball off the plate, sort of like the James Russell pitches yesterday. He was awfully good for the Cub, wasn't he? Uh, he's been looking really, really good for the Cubs, and you, you have to admit he's definitely one of the bright spots for the Cubs this season. Uh, you know, he got in a little trouble, but he was able to get out of it, and, and you got to like that because mm-hmm. nothing's going to be easy as a major league uh, reliever. You know, even Mariano Rivera, believe it or not, he actually got into trouble every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the guy who's uh, filling in for Mariano Rivera right now. I think his name is Dave Robertson. How's that for a tough job? Choose to fill, trying to fill in the closer role for the greatest reliever of all time. And a couple of days ago, I think it's Dave or David Robertson. He, oh, uh, did you say you really like him? You I have no idea. You know, I, I don't know. Did you know what happened to him yesterday? Well, that's what I was going to point out. Two days ago, he did very, very well. Closed out his first game. Yesterday, they had a 3 nothing lead heading into the ninth. And what no, happened, no, no, Big Dog? No, 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 no. They had a one nothing lead. Final score was 4-3. to three. Uh, Well, I got to tell you this. He came into the ninth inning, and they were up one nothing, and he walks the bases loaded, strikes out. <laughs> strikes out Carlos Pena, and you're like, I just knew Carlos Pena came up, and I'm like, he's the worst hitter in the possible world you want up in this situation because all you need is contact. Well, two days ago, just as a sideline, when he had his successful save, we're talking about the guy filling in for Rivera, David Robertson, he struck out. Ex-Cub, ex-Marlin, our guy, nice guy, but he strikes out too much Carlos Pena. Struck him out with the bases loaded, Big Dust, so he got him two days ago. Well, he struck him out yesterday. And everything looked good. And the next guy comes up, uh, hits a sacrifice fly. It's 1-1, and he does a, a blankety-blank on the mound. And then uh, 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 well, uh, then the next guy comes up and hits a home run. Matt Joyce hit a home run, Woo! and he swung so hard, he actually fell down and turned his ankle. And people are, when he's walking off the mound, people, it wasn't <laughs> the whole crowd screaming boo. It wasn't that. 
But because the ticket prices at Yankee Stadium are so high, $1,500 a seat if you want to sit in the first 10 rows. Wow. That's right. I just said 1500 There's nobody there. So at the end of the game, when a guy comes into the dugout, you can hear one individual scream at the top of their lungs because they're 50 feet away from where the real crowd is. You know what I'm talking about, Coach? You I... just hear somebody say, you effing suck. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. He's been the closest for two days. And then he said that. It was like, oh, my God. Uh, that, was best, that was the best moment of the night last night. Oh, was hearing man. that Yankee fan scream that at David Robertson. I'll tell you, so, the, it, closing baseball game, it's been that way for five years now. I mean, there's been a few guys that have had success over an extended period of time. We had the great year last year from Jose Valverde, a couple other guys. But for the most part, big dog. Getting those last three outs in the ninth inning has been awfully tough in the last, uh, really, it's been like the last five years, it seems, in particular. No, no, it, it, it's been that way for for a while. And that's why that's why I kind of, like, got on you the other day when you were like, Carlos Mahal's done nothing for the Cubs. I, you know, it was a lot longer than it typically is for a closer in major leagues. He's done, I don't know what you're exactly right, Coach. The stress of that job is so unbelievable that if you blow it one time, it was like, oh, this guy sucks. They don't realize the previous ten times he was awesome, you know. It's, and then all of a sudden, everybody's got the idea that they, all they remember is when a closer sucks. That's all they remember. They don't remember when closers came in and did their mm-hmm. job, you know. And especially if they do it ten times in a row, because very similar. Antonio Alfonso the football. He did that a lot. Now, now there's guys like Mel Rojas, Antonio Alfonso. They could do nothing, but. It's a tough job, coach. Sort of the same thing. Uh, we we almost say the same words verbatim in November, December, and January about field goal kickers. <laughs> or you could say the same thing about offensive linemen. If we don't hear about them, then they're doing a good job. When you hear about them, that's when it's trouble. You know, you know, field goal kickers is a little easier. It, it truly is a little easier because they're in the game. They come out. They're back and forth. And, you know, you know if a field goal kicker is good or bad. It's, it's kind of funny. But I think relievers get a bad rap, Coach. Mm-hmm. I, I just think they get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. All right. There. Think about the greatest – Eric Gagne had the greatest season ever as a closer. Now we found out he was gooped up on top. He did nothing after that. All of a sudden he was expected to shut it down, and he never did it again. Yeah. He used to come out uh, out of the bullpen in Dodger Stadium. What was the song they played for an Eric Gagne? The Wild well, Thing? Well, no, okay, let, i got to think what it is, because Trevor Hoffman was held bells down right. in, San, in San Diego. But Gagne definitely had a specific song. Yeah, I'm it forgetting was, it now. It was a heavy metal song, wasn't it, Coach? Not sure. Uh, might have been On a Clear Day by Barbra Streisand. I think that might have been it. I, I, I don't, that one's not rolling off the tongue for me, so I'm not <laughs> going to go with that one. All right, phone lines are open here. Dog and the coach answer service. Talk a little baseball, NBA playoffs. We definitely got to bring up the big announcement from Barack Obama yesterday regarding the gay issue, 888, gay marriage issue, 888-463-6748. The phone number, again, 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach at your service. Dog, before we get into the uh, hard-hitting sports analysis, it was a, some would say, a watershed day yesterday as the leader of our fine country came out and said the most definitively that he is indeed in support of same-sex marriage uh from my standpoint it's about two years too late but uh, i would give him a standing ovation and unadulterated applause how about you so i mean it, it, it should have been said i mean what's what's the big deal why didn't he say it in the before the previous election all that i'm not i don't care it's another political statement again more politics well 
going on here? What, I mean, it should have been done a long time ago. Yes. Okay, so why didn't he say it before the North Carolina vote? I completely agree. Okay, so now he he's I, arguing I, that I'll answer. Right I'll thing. answer that. He said the right thing. He hasn't done the right thing. I could care less if he says it. He needs to do the right thing. Well, I'm going to disagree with that. But David, yeah. Well, well, then why didn't he say the right thing long ago? No, I agree with that part. But the part I disagree with, I could care less that he said it. Now I would disagree with with the care less. No, I no, think. No, it... no. My point is, is that people talk a good game and people walk a good game. Okay, the president is playing politics. He's talking a good game. Well, actually not, because it's uh, most experts will tell you, Big Dog, politically it's a bad move for him. That he's actually doing it, uh, you know, God forbid, That's from his heart, and because it's the right thing to do politically, probably not the smartest move. The, now, the, the same-sex marriage thing is a big deal among African-American voters. Okay, and there are African-American voters who will vote, vote Republican because of it. But the percentage of African-American voters that are going to walk away from Barack Obama because he's in favor of same-sex marriage is, is so marginal, it doesn't make any difference. So at, at some point, it's not, it's, he, can say it, he can pretty much say whatever he wants and not be afraid to lose African-American voters at this point. So mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not politics. So why, didn't, why doesn't he do something? Forget what he says. The man has never acted like he's in favor of... Uh, of being people having the right to do what they choose in America, mm-hmm. okay? If you look at all the churches and stuff he's gone to and what those uh, preachers have preached, it's not about love and mm-hmm. everybody getting together, Coach. Okay, so forget about what he says. It's about what you do. Well, first of all, the churches that he goes to uh, or, you know, that oh, most people go to. real good church. Oh, not anymore. You're right. Not anymore because he's back. Yeah, to and, you know, even the church that he used to go to, what was the guy's name there? I think he took a bad Reverend rap. Reverend you know, Wright. Reverend who? I don't know. Something Jeremiah like Wright, something like that. But, uh, you know, you know, 10% of the dialogue there was a little bit over the top and extreme, but people are forgetting the other, well, 40% of it was mainstream Catholic religion, what you're going to hear in all the churches, and then Christian religion, 50% of it, 50% of it, though, was was, uh, great stuff, and they did phenomenal work and great charitable work. How can you write down Jeremiah Wright's stuff? So if 10% of the, you know what, only about 10% of Hitler's rhetoric was probably about how uh, bad the Jews were. Come on. My point is, if you're talking about hatred, talk about how bad a specific race is all the time and how... Uh, you got to do whatever it is you can to stop these people. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. If you only say it a little bit, it's okay. But just don't go over the top with that hate. Don't do that. Well, really, it's not hate. It's about love. It's about love for people that were uh, well, being well, disadvantaged. It's about it's love for people that were being taken advantage of. That was the, the primary message. At any rate. Well... I, you can, he can say whatever you want to say, okay? It's politics. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what, 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 you, what you... Actually, just do what you want to do as a, as a politician at this point. It doesn't really matter. Well, but I think yesterday when you heard him talk, I think that was the difference. I'm not sure he was being a politician. It was kind of cool. You know, there was no uh, you know ticker tape. There was no cards in front of him. When he was being interviewed by the uh, ex-sportscaster, by the way, the beautiful and lovely Robin Roberts. Um, you know, he was speaking from the heart. He was speaking almost like not as the president of the United States, but just as a person that finally came to the realization it's time to speak out for really what is the right thing. 
it's the right thing. What he morally felt was the correct way. And he always said, you know, his opinion is evolving. By the way, any people tuning in here, you want to chime in on the conversation. A couple of sports jock sports guys jumping into dangerous territory, but we like to take that leap uh, with our nose closed and Hopefully we got a seat cushion that can be used as a flotation device. 888-463-6748. The phone number, 888 And the more I heard the talk last night from the various sides, the more I was like, this, this really, really should be a non-issue. I, I, it should, people should have the right. Yes. If somebody wants to give up half of their possessions to another person, who cares what Anything about that, Coach, I, I couldn't agree more on that. It should not be an issue whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But anytime you're talking about the President of the United States, it is a political issue on everything that you're doing. And, mm-hmm. and, and I know you like to see things as a rose-colored glasses. And uh, Trust me, this whole decision and how they're going to go about this was decided by about 50 different people in a room, okay? And they went, okay, who's gonna, who are you going to reveal that it's okay to? Well, who's going to give you the biggest softball questions everybody looks around the room they say about five names and robin roberts is the perfect answer mm-hmm. yeah you're probably right right about that there was i mean he it wasn't just him off the cuff to say hey you know today i'm going to do it you're probably right and unfortunately i love barack obama say, hey, uh, he's gonna he's gonna talk to bill o'reilly today about it no it's not gonna happen no you know <laughs> so you know obviously you would never do anything like that you're not gonna reveal something like that on fox news i mean that mm-hmm. would be just that would be ridiculous then it would really be political. Like, you know, what's going to happen here? That would. Yeah, well, that I think that'd be funny. that'd be pretty that would cool. Be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Do it with uh, Bill O'Reilly and the uh, turned. I won't say 360 because that means he come back to the liberal self that he was. The turned 180 Dennis Miller, who was the right hand laugh track along with Bill O'Reilly, and that's semi obnoxious, uh, non objective show. But you're right. It's political, and that's one of the things. As much as I respect and like Barack Obama, one of the things I'm disappointed with is he has. Uh, not dropped the political portion. I thought he was going to be different. I thought part of that hope and change was he was going to get rid of the politics. Huh? How do you think he got elected? The American public is are, are dumb. Well, you think politicians have to be political. Nah, I don't think so, so. The media can manipulate stuff so easy, and the other people can turn it against you. Nah, I, I so, disagree I with that, Big Dog. I think somebody, it's going to be hard for somebody to go into the office and and. And not be political because you... Well, hard, yes. Uh, I'll agree with you on the hard part, but I'm going to disagree with you that uh, I think, you know, a, a significant reason why Barack Obama did get elected is because he was different. People viewed yeah, him as, and, as, and, as outside the political regime. He's not. He was not a lifelong like politician. Here's somebody different. Hope and change. A different way to get it done and... For you to say that it's going to always be political and always politics, that's to me is like throwing in the towel. I think the country no, no, is no, ready. No, 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 it's not throwing in the towel. You have to come to the realization that most of America is not as aware of what's going on as maybe you or I is. I'm not talking about in terms of every the whole political landscape. I'm just mean that when you see a politician talk, that doesn't really do exactly what he says he's going to do, and and. Well, I, I got—I got to be honest with you. You might not think that way, okay? Because uh, I, I, know, I mean, you seem to fall for it all the time. So maybe you're in part of that group that I'm. That I just shake my. You don't come to the realization of that these guys are just trying to get elected, and they'll say whatever they want to say, and then when they get in office, oh, they're not the idealistic guy that I thought he was originally. He's changing everything that he said that he was going to do. I, I can't believe this. 
coasts are all like that. And so the, the point is, is, next time you vote for somebody, you got to realize how much is this guy going to change when he's in office? I hate to tell you, but like the new Messiah is not going to just come out and have a total perfect background, is really going to be open-minded, do the right thing, and not care about what's right or wrong or greed well, or power or all that. It's not going to happen. All right. A lot of what you say, absolutely correct. I am a glass-half-full guy. I'm an idealist uh, and, to some extent, proud to be an idealist. But you're right. M- much of that is true. However, maybe it's sort of like Barack Obama's thoughts on gay marriage it's evolving maybe it's not going to happen all at once big dog but maybe the step to barack obama is a step in the right direction and maybe the next president we elect and maybe you know we're going to get closer to that ideal where the guy is less political and more like someone we truly respect and not play in the political game so you're right i hear what you're saying and reality says you are absolutely correct but i think obama's a little bit different and maybe it's evolving step by step, and before you know it, you know, when your kids are visiting you in the senior assisted living home and you're about ready to uh, crank the, kick the bucket, maybe, maybe at that point we'll have someone a little bit less political in office. We can always help. You know, in the whole sense of the thing is when you're talking about, like, the evolution of this, people should have the right to be whoever they want to be. You know, it, it is. I don't know why North Carolina would vote against that, except for the yep. fact that it seems like, there are way too many people in the world trying to affect how other people live their lives. Absolutely. The idea that you're going to rally together to vote, hey, we're going to make sure we're going to get as many people out to vote to make sure that another segment of our community doesn't have the right to marry each other. Think about, think about that. How, how many percentage of people voted in North Carolina? Do you see what I'm getting at, Coach? Mm-hmm. You had, people had to rally together to vote on an amendment. That's what people, I just, that's why there's so much of this going on in the world, and then people, everything is political, Coach. It, it truly is, because how many eligible voters in North Carolina, I have no idea what the number is today, but I would like, later on in the show, if you just give me that number, because it's probably only like 15% of eligible voters voted on it. Do you know what I mean? So people really, that's like... It was, it was, it was, uh, it was a third of the registered voters voted on it. A third. Okay, so was that the was only, th- were they, they were voting on more than just that issue. Yeah, yeah, correct? no, no, it was, a, it was a primary election. So a third of the people turned out for the primary. A third of the registered voters. What would, just out of curiosity in Illinois a month ago, what was probably not much better? Probably not, no. Sad. No, the primary, well, that, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason why they put it on the, they put it on this particular vote, on mm-hmm. this particular vote, because, uh, the legislators that put the bill down knew that there would be low tur- voter turnout, and the turnout would be more to their side. That's why they did it. And they being? The uh, Republican lawmakers that put the bill on the ballot. Okay. So it was the exact opposite of what I thought was going on. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, if it was just an, like a, what do they call it? like a, a provision or what if they were like voting on some part of a, like a new law in the city, then sometimes they just like, we, like just recently in Colorado, they just had a vote whether or not to make uh, marijuana, medicinal marijuana legal in, in Colorado. And that was the only thing people voted on. <laughs> so, and that had a lot of people get, a lot of people yeah. went out for that. A lot yeah. of people did, coach. 78% of the people that voted didn't even choose the, um, Republican or Democrat primary candidate, 78% didn't even vote on, but 83% came 
cast their ballot for a marijuana legal or not. So you can yeah, and, uh, and the beautiful thing was that's that, actually not was, true. Uh, the problem is there was a lot of there was a lot of haggling going on about this vote because it was voted no. But the reason why was a lot of the people that voted yes. They had way too much Dorito grease on their hands, and when they put the ballots in, it wouldn't. The chat got all messed up. So yep. That's like a thousand votes right there, and that was the difference. So it's just really not fair, Coach. Yeah, that can happen. That can happen. That and the fact there was a 40 pound bag of Oreo cookies waiting for each voter on the outside of the door. That's, uh, you know, that really is influencing illegally. David Olson, our expert on political uh, confirmations here. Yes, David. Uh, just to update the uh, Illinois. Uh, uh, beep, 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 beep. Update. The Illinois primary turnout last month was 24% of registered voters. How much? 24%. 24. 24. Okay, Less so than Carolina? Less than Carolina. Big dog, you should I, be ashamed of yourself. You, I bet you Carolina was a little higher than normal just because of the fact they had mm-hmm. this. Uh, uh, what, what are they calling them? What are they calling this? A provision? What are they calling this? This the fact that the banning of gay marriage? I, mean, I think what, it's, what I think it's an it? amendment to the state constitution. Wow. Actually, there was a clause in there, Big Dog, also voting for should North Carolina switch to the 1-3-1 or 2-3 zone versus their traditional man-to-man. And I think that in North Carolina pulled out at least a good 18% of the vote. Yeah, and that was you know, it was actually 98% of the vote. They yeah. actually care about North Carolina basketball. Yes. There. So, yes. Yeah, by the way, just to, just to let everybody know that in the United States, there are seven states that say it's legal for you to marry somebody of the same sex. There are 50 states where it's legal for you to marry your cousin. Mm-hmm. So, basically in Illinois and North Carolina, you can marry your cousin as long as he's not gay. Is there a state that you can marry your cousin and marry same sex? Same as seven, seven states, yeah. There's seven states where you, that you can... Okay. So my point is, in Kentucky, in North Carolina, you can marry your 14-year-old cousin, mm-hmm. okay, as long as it's a she, but it, that's okay. But if it's, you want to marry two 40-year-old men, want to go get married together yeah. and and divide stuff up, they can't do it. Yeah. So that, that, that's what that's what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. practicality. Okay. Oh, the irony. Oh, the irony. Well, let me just say in conclusion, before we get back to the business at hand, and that is Bulls game six against Philadelphia and a little baseball round them up and wrap them up. Good day for our Chicago teams, by the way. I understand, Big Dog, and again, I applaud Barack Obama for coming out. You could say there's political ramifications. That's fine. I still like the fact the leader of our great nation for the first time ever came out in support of same-sex marriage, long time coming. And I understand there's many more important issues in this country, Big Dog, uh, obviously economy and, you know, security and terrorism, et cetera, that are much more important. But I can't think of an issue that defines the liberals and the conservatives, and I hate to separate the two because there's way too much of that right now. But it's right there for it. I watch the talk shows. I watch Fox just as much as MSNBC yesterday, so I got a little bit of both. But the gay marriage issue couldn't be more symbolic of the difference and i obviously have a event to it and i would say the you know the negativity of why i don't like the conservative republican agenda and why i so much think the democrat or liberal agenda is so much more hate to use the word but right it's just right i think the gay marriage issue is a perfect example of it you look at it there's just it's just a matter of tolerance you know a tradition to heck with tradition if it's right, go with it. If it's not right, 
then don't go with it. I think it's a it's a again not a major issue, but I think it's so symbolic. I think that was a political statement. I, you know, not really. You know, I, I totally agree. Anybody should have the right to obviously. But I was talking more than that. I was talking. The Democrats are are right because they got that one issue right. So everything else. Well, but it's an it's an openness. The other day you you had the audacity to say to me because the day before I started getting all over you because and I'm going to continue if you're going to if you're going to continue on this whole how great the liberals are. I, I basically I have a. An extremely liberal social agenda and extremely conservative fiscal okay. agenda. Okay, that's, that's basically okay. how it's been. I'm just, I'm just going to hammer you from now on because the other day you had the because I came out against you, and the next day you were like, "Oh yeah," and the, the, then you like basically made fun of my political view, uh, police, and they're open. And I just want to let you know on I'm the air away with that. Yes, you did on there. You introduced. We're going to talk politics, even though he doesn't know anything about politics. What? Basically, I never said that. No, you. We have to go to an open the other day. It was the, the day after I basically was not letting you get away with how great the Democratic Party is. Okay. <laughs> oh, the, the the cures of the nation. Well, let me see. The Democrats right now have been in charge of Illinois for the last like fifty years, except for when you talk about in Cook, look at Cook County, Coach. The Democrats have won Cook County forever. And it's bankrupted. The kids that come out of the school system there can't even freaking read, let alone get fed during the day. The Democrats have been running that for the last 60 years. That, what has happened in Cook County? It is the poorest, one of the poorest counties in America. It's one of the highest tax counties. And yet the kids that come out of there are illiterate. So the, the more this whole how great the Democratic Party is is such a joke to me. It's, you guys are you're exactly right. If you are the same-sex marriage, you should have the right. It doesn't matter. You should be able to marry whoever you want to. Shouldn't be told the government shouldn't tell you what to do. Just like the government shouldn't say you uh, need to do this, you need to do that. It's the same thing. The government shouldn't get in your bedroom. It shouldn't get in your pocketbook either. Ladies and gentlemen, the big dog Joe Radwanski firing out. You're absolutely correct as far as the Chicago Democrat. I almost look at the Democratic machine in Chicago almost like separate. From the Democratic Party, they're almost—they've been around so long, and they're so tied together, and it's so—what's the word? Insidious. That it's almost no, that's, that's, that's separate. That's definitely but, one of the words. <laughs> <laughs> but you—but you can't deny, even as a as a liberal here, that the Democratic Party is in a large—they've done some good things, but in a large part, the whole Democratic machine and the daily thing has screwed up the city of Chicago significantly in the state of Illinois. Um, right behind it, certainly from an economic standpoint. So yeah, I cannot yeah, deny. So maybe you're right. Social issues is kind of what I was talking about. The social agenda. Well, I have I have no problem with that because trust I, I am to the to the I will to the day I die the government needs to stay away and not tell me how to live my life or do whatever. Well, That's how this country was set up. But okay. then again but then again the social issues carry over. And again any of our listeners want to chime in on conversation here hopefully we'll get to a little sports talk before it's over. Our phone lines are open. Big Dog and the Coach at your service here in the Two Guys and a Mike Show, 888-463-6748. Feel free to dial it up, 888-463-6748. They are connected, Big Dog, because when you look at taxation and where the money is going to, what do the liberals and the Democrats tend to fight for? You know, the middle class and the lower class. What no, do they? No, 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 that's what they say they fight for, All but right. it never I tends think to happen, does it, Coach? Uh, no, I would disagree with that. Our, our money is so wasted in this country. We spend way too much in taxes. The poor spend way too much in taxes. The middle class and the rich, way too much in taxes. We have the, This country has been constructed to the point where 
It's so massive mm-hmm. that there's so many ways to hide where people are putting our money. We spend way too much in taxes. Well, and it's all for, and it's normally done, oh, it's, we're going to help the little guy. The little guy doesn't get help. Do you know who pays the, the, for the Democrats' uh, political money? Who, it's basically massive corporations. They're not, just because you say you're for the little guy mm-hmm. doesn't mean you are for the little guy. Well, certainly uh, there is corruption. The certainly, Party fights for the little guy. No, they don't. These are like the, the the people who get elected. Some of the richest people in the world. Barack Obama was a millionaire before he got elected. It's I'm I'm so sick of the, oh we're for the little guys. I can say whatever you want to. You can say uh, the right wing is for moralities. They say that all the time, don't they, Coach? And it sickens you. You're like, no, they're not. Well, I I see it the same way. They the, the Democratic Party has for years said that they are for the little guy, and all they've tried to do is make sure there's as many stupid and as poor people in the mm-hmm. world or in this country. So That's not what? true. They still have a constituency. That's not true. That's not yes, true. Certainly, you just don't see it. You no, I, I do it. see no, it, but I think no, you're... you don't see it. You don't see it. The Democratic Party wants as many poor people as no. possible, so that way they can remember, hey, it's the rich man's fault. you got to blame the rich people. So I will tax the rich. And I'll get back to you. And then when they get involved, then when it's they not get a matter involved, of blame. So it's a matter. Of it's people. not a matter of blame, Big Dog. It's a matter of where your priorities are. And I'm not denying, uh, you know, that money is misspent and that you know we've taxed and the government has wasted a lot of money. Both Democrats and liberals have wasted it. But on the other side of it, you know, when they go to cast their vote, when they go out and make their speeches, or you know, uh, lobby their their particular. People in whatever state they're representing, who are they fighting for? The Democrats are voting for and fighting for and speaking out for legislation for actual programs that will help You're the middle class and that will help some of the disadvantaged. And, 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 and don't deny the fact that the, some of the government programs have been outstanding. There's been a lot of waste, but there's also some wonderful, wonderful programs that have helped a lot of people. If you name the every government program, they're all bankrupt right now. All of them, all of the great government programs have ended in abysmal failure, okay? I cannot believe you just said that. You have just proven my point. All these programs all the programs have, have all the programs have gone in failure, huh? How about our uh, national security? security? How about the Food and Drug Administration? How about... Well, no. What did you What did you say before? What was that one you said? How about uh, you know the sec uh, for defense, our national security? That's a government agency. No, 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 no. That's 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 that's. Uh, well, but I'm talking about you're you're criticizing everything in government. I'm making the point that there there are there's much, many things that government has done. It's not a dirty word. Many things that is done. How does social programs go under defense? How does defense go under social programs? That's. That's what we were talking about. No, well, I'm talking anything about defense. I was talking about social hey. programs, stuff like social security. Hmm, that's well, you know, but what, social that, that was created. That was created to garner votes about yeah. 50 years ago. But but that's you cannot the, deny that social created. social security, Medicare helped a lot of people. And Medicare is bankrupt. It, it went bankrupt, but nevertheless, bankrupt. Medicare was a great idea, it's and so, it helped and a I ton of people. When you guys think it's a great idea, but you don't think it out. Oh, it's going to help the poor people. How do you pay for it, Coach? And how do you? And when you keep on adding people into it and not having people pay for it, there becomes an issue. Okay, 
mismanaged? Yes. A bunch of band-aids when things needed a total, total reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Okay, all, every program that you stated that it was a social program, and by the way, defense is not a social program. Okay, that. Well, I didn't know not, we were talking about specifically failed. social program. You're talking about government has failed. You, but you specifically were saying. That government has blown, you know, everything the government has done has failed. I was trying to show you some organizations. No, I said social program. I said social program. Name a social program that hasn't gone bankrupt. Okay, Medicare and Social Security. No. Those right there. Another, those are the two biggest ones, and those are the biggest issues in America right now. Mm -hmm. Mismanaged, yes. Were, but the... Those were created to help the poor people yes. and tax the rich, and yet... It has put our country in a total disarray. Mm -hmm. But and does that mean reason, it was? But does that mean they were bad ideas? No, 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 no the they the were good is, ideas. The thing is, is, they were no, they were all done and created as uh, politicizing, and it really wasn't made to actually help anybody. Well, but it did help people. That's my point. Well, and, and did look for how many people and how many? Yeah, it did help the original people that it was yeah. made for. And no, hold on, hold on a second. When it was not even, they didn't even know how they were paying for it. The original politicians, hey, we're going to come up with a program to act like we're helping, okay? And one, and then one particular uh, side of Republican or Democrats, you do your history, people, and figure it out. Get this pushed all the way through, and then all of a sudden, people who never get paid into it are receiving money and checks from the government, and they're like, oh, don't worry, the next generation will pay for it. And it's been like that forever. Since so, you always oh, a great idea to help people. Yeah, we gave a bunch of money to people that never put any money into it and expected the people behind them to pay for it. Great idea. That's the way you want to run a business? That's the way you want our government to go, Coach? Again, oh, I'm not, I'm not denying. It's the same way they did Social Security. It makes no sense, Coach. And guess what? You and I are paying the bill for my grandma, who was on Social Security. She worked. She found out the whole deal. She, oh, oh, that's funny. It's going to go like this. She went out and got a job at a racetrack for six months retired and got a check for like 15 years after that like these people are idiots she told me these are this is so stupid our government's going to go bankrupt she told me at the time she was totally right she was completely right and, you know and i, I look back at it now and it's like wow my grandma like, everything she said of where our country was going she was exactly right about those mm -hmm. but it still was not a bad idea it still oh, helped yeah, a lot of people idea. it was simply it was created missed. only to garner votes only no, votes. no I would disagree with that. I think I know. I think that that would be incorrect. I think that may might have been part of it. But if you're saying the only reason it was strictly political that Social Security and Medicare were were brought about, I, I you know, I know our politicians aren't exactly the greatest of moral character, but I can't go that low. I got to believe that the maybe that was part of it, but that the primary inspiration behind that was at least in theory to provide good social programs and financial security for people both in health and in retirement. I, I'm going to be done after this statement. You can, you can give me a retort after it. That's fine. I do want to talk cup baseball. Uh, cup baseball. What is this? Every single, uh, every <laughs> single congressman who had to vote for that bill to go through for Social Security, if they were told, if you vote for this, you will not be reelected, they would not have voted for it. Even if they would have said this is the right thing to do, people will be better off, America will be in a better situation. But you will not be uh, reelected if you vote for it. It would have got zero votes. Don't tell me it's not political. Well, you're bringing up a whole other issue in politics, okay, that's, it's about and that is about yeah. remaining in office for but, these people. They're power hungry. Well, 
the the problem of people deciding to vote for what they believe is right versus what will help them get elected. That is an absolute quandary, I think, in politics that politicians deal with. And unfortunately, they do tend to sway. I don't think it's as strong as you're putting, but it does tend to sway towards getting elected. Have you ever had a politician give your family like a million dollars? Not recently. Okay. <laughs> why? Do you, why do you ask? I don't know. Just, just, just throwing it out there because politicians are corrupt. Well, yeah, I and, think that's there's okay. so many of them. It's not even funny. Yeah. All right, eight 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 four six three six seven four. And I knew by bringing up the Barack announcement from yesterday, we'd be opening up a can of worms. But occasionally, we do jump off the sports page here on the two guys in a mic show, Big Dog and the Coach. But uh, Dog, if we can, let's make a little transition. Deep breath, my friend. Deep breath. I have it. I know I had thank goodness the Cubs are playing good baseball right now. Very good. One nothing game yesterday and Paul Mahalam. Mm-hmm. Two life, two life, Mahalam. Mahala, Mahalam, two life. That's his what, his fourth consecutive victory and a rare one nothing win for the Cubby. And you know, he was horrid in his first start and everybody was freaking out over him. First couple. And the, yeah, yeah, and he settled down. That's what, I like that. I, you know basically baseball isn't easy, okay? I don't give up on a guy after one or two bad starts. It's not football. You're bad in one game. I'm done with you. Okay, but it's you know baseball's a little different, and it's good to see this guy rebound and really come out and pitch some really good baseball. Do you know what the story around the whole league is about yesterday's game, Coach? Have you heard what's going on with this? Dale Dale Swain is a big believer on the spray chart. You know what the, the spray chart is? The spray chart. Yeah, the spray chart, Coach. We had that in our uh, freshman dormitory bathroom, but I don't think that's what Dale Swain is using. Well, yeah, he, it's it's the tendency. <laughs> it's the te- I know a guy was talking about the spray chart on yesterday on Twitter, and I, I told him I was not going to stand next to him at the trough at Ricky Field. <laughs> and, uh, but I guess he knows where everybody's going to hit the ball. And the key is if the pitcher can throw each pitch exactly where he's supposed to, they'll hit the ball where – they're, these guys are positioned. Yesterday during the Cup game, they were aligning people up not in your traditional uh, places. You're going to freaking love this coach. I mean, they had, like, a guy in short right field, a guy in short center field, and, like, the third baseman playing where the shortstop is, and, like, the first baseman, like, totally close. It was, like, jacked up, and every single ball was line drive right at somebody. I was watching the game, and it was a line drive right back up the middle. I'm like, oh, no! It was Dan Ugla, and it was uh, Darwin Barney in short center field who caught the line drive. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck just happened? That was and off the I, bat of uh, Chipper Jones, biggest out of the game for the uh, Chicago Cubs. I was talking about the Ugla play. So, yeah, but yeah, you're, there was just the one early in the game. I'm like, oh, no, the, the one on Chipper Jones, did it. he should have been three for four, Coach. So you, you saw what I was talking about. They, they had him all over the field in different spots. Well, it's something, uh, you know, I hate to say that I am a, a visionary, Big Doug. You're already mad enough for me for my Democratic liberal uh, diatribe, but it's something I've been saying for many, many years when I coached. I would do it, and often to the chagrin and the criticism of my own assistant coaches, parents on our team, let alone parents on the other team, but we all are too bound by the traditional ways that we don't think creatively enough. You know, baseball, you got your third baseman, shortstop, sack. Everybody plays them basically in the same spot for every batter. No! Move them around. Absolutely. So spray chart or not, I'm completely behind that. I think there should be a lot more, and you're starting to see it now. And again, in my own brilliance, I was ahead of my time, Big Doug. Thank you very much. But 
you know, maybe it's the computer program, whatever they got. But yeah, move players around and, and shift it around. Don't go with the traditional positioning every single time. Great move. It's it's Pat Listash's responsibility. He takes his spray charts out, and then they talk to the pitching staff about what pitches need to be the pitcher and the catcher, what pitches need to be thrown in what situation. Yep. And then like, because you can't align a defense one way and then have the defense expect, uh, you know, uh, a fastball inside, and all of a sudden you're getting a curveball inside, and then mm-hmm. you know that you're totally in the wrong spot of, mm-hmm. of the of the of the defense. But I, I think it's pretty cool, and everybody was patting. Dale Swain on the back yesterday, which is fine. All right, now, I just can't... can can I take yeah. the visionary step even one step further? David Olson, you might want to mark this or whatever the technical term is here because, uh, once again, in three or four or five, might even be ten years before this comes to fruition. But I'm going to take it a step further, Big Duck. You know how football teams shift on the snap count? All right, I think baseball teams need to add that in defensive positioning-wise, you know, put guys in one spot. And then on the wind-up, not just a couple steps, but in some cases, I won't call it a dead sprint, but, you know, you got seven players, boom, quickly shifting to another spot. Totally throw off the batter. You get what I'm, you you know, like a defensive shift in football, same thing in baseball. I would do that coaching uh, my baseball team sometimes and, you know, have them play way in for a bump. We'd have signals. And then as the pitcher goes into the wind-up, boom, they're all the way back. Or I'd play them purposely way back to tempt the other team into thinking, you know, the bunt is there, and then not when they square around, but on the wind-up, the players charge. If nothing else, it keeps the offense off balance. So any chance you think that will come into fruition? You're talking about the the infield right now. Uh, No, outfield too. I don't see how it would be advantageous to do it your outfield. My, I just I'd leave my outfield the same, but I, I like where you're going. So I have no problem with uh, you know having the ability to when you know if there's a hit and run or a bunt possibility to try to mess with the other. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot wouldn't of that, but like uh, extend it, like do even more of it. I, I like it. Wouldn't it be no cool? With that. <laughs> all four players in the infield all shifting, maybe like second base sprints to first, first baseman sprints behind the pitcher over to third. You know, kind of a. Well, it, it, just to do it is uh, it's not going to be good. I, I, what, the, what we have to do is, as Cub fans is we have to chalk up, oh, in this game, the spray chart alignments helped us. Because trust me, pretty soon it's going to happen where the Cubs have a game wrapped up and all of a sudden, you know, Carlos Marmol will walk two people and there's going to be two blue pits where if the third baseman was playing normal and the second baseman yep. was normal, they'd be out. But they ended up being two hits and all of a sudden – they lose a game, and I was still swimming the spray chart. Well, we got, you know what I mean? Yesterday, that spray chart won the game for the Cubs. Flat out, it won the game because the Cubs were not going to score more than one run in that game because mm-hmm. they weren't. So, right. We have to keep track of that. So we just have to remember when he gets blamed for it later in the season that it was one of them won the game. He's yep. plus one on the spray chart. You win some, you lose some, but you always play the game, and, of course, you hope. You're going to win a little bit more with that strategy than lose a little bit more. But it would be interesting to see because you do see more teams using that um, more often. By the way, as a sidelight, the one run, the RBI of the game was brought in by Brian LaHare, who continues to star. Got a clutch hit in the seventh inning, the only RBI of the game. But uh, he continues to produce for the beloved, Big Doug. He has been phenomenal, Coach. He had, I don't know how many, like it was something like 10 out of 12 at-bats where he let an inning off. And then he finally got an RBI situation the day before, and on the first pitch he grounded out into a double play. I was just like, I, w- I wasn't all that mad at him. But yesterday, that at-bat, 
tie game, late in the game, he shortened his swing up, went back up the middle on the pitcher and drove in the winning run. That was a classic, yep. hey, I don't care about a home run, my team needs to win a ball game at that. It was awesome. Brian LaHare knows, knows what's up. And uh, I can talk Cubs all day, but I, I'm going to turn the page a, a little bit to the White Sox. And, you know, I remember about two weeks ago, Coach, Adam Dunn had a real big game. And you asked me, kind of like uh, like Paul Mahomes, can he turn the table? Well, uh, well, Mahalan turned the table. Well, Adam Dunn, after his big game, same as Beckham had the same game the same day, remember? Big mm-hmm. game. And you said, does this turn the tables? Well, it didn't for Gordon Beckham. Adam Dunn right now is as hot as anybody but maybe like two or three players in the game of baseball right now. Did you see his home run yesterday? Did not. Adam Dunn hit one about 425 feet. Coach, he's got 25 RBIs on the season. Only Josh Hamilton has more than him. And I don't care what his batting average is at the end of the year. He has 120 RBIs for the White Sox. He's worth $14 million. He's already, and I agree with that, hasn't he already hit as many homers as he did the entire last year? Well, almost. He had 11 last season. He's got 10. And he's got 10. He had his 10th last night. And, I mean, it was a no-doubter. I mean, it was it was pretty funny. It was uh, how far that ball went yesterday. Was it Jack? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, if you're up in a fantasy league and you're like in a team, like a league with eight or less people, Adam Dunn probably isn't picked up. You might want to pick him up. He's he's actually alive. Actually, he's that advice alive. probably would have been better a couple of weeks ago. I think right now people have probably already picked him up. By the way, the other star for the White Sox yesterday is they beat Cleveland uh, eight to one. Uh, was uh, Jake Peavy who's been just phenomenal on the mound this year. Probably if they voted for the Cy Young Award, it's silly to talk about at this point. But if they did, Jake Peavy be the guy. He was brilliant again last night. Big dog, seven innings, five strikeouts, one walk. Get him up, mowed him down. He's been outstanding. Oh, and uh, the most entertaining part of yesterday's evening watching sports was uh, Hawk Harrelson complaining that the, the starting pitcher for the Indians is a kid named Gomez. They knew the game was supposed to start at 7.05. You know, well, PV, you know, warmed up and is ready to go, and he gets into the dugout at 7.05 thinking the game's going to start, and the kid isn't ready to go. And he takes his time getting into the, oh, Hawk Harrelson complaining about how this messed up PV's uh, warm-up and out coach. It was some classic television yesterday. <laughs> what do you mean he wasn't ready to go? He's got no respect for the game of baseball. If this was the National League, he'd be on his back. On his back, I'll tell you, Stoney. <laughs> when you say he wasn't ready to go, what, where was he? Well, they, like he did, you know how you, like they were told the game starts at seven oh five. So you know how starters do their pregame warm up. Yes. Well, he started it at seven oh five. That's got to be the umpire's fault too. Well, uh, you're, well, no, no, it wasn't the umpire's fault. According to according to the White Sox broadcast, the whole game was supposed to. They had the chalk up. The, the lineup cards were all done. The Sox were getting ready to to bat, and next thing you know, the kid starts walking down to the Cleveland bullpen to go warm up. And Jake Peavy's coming back from warming up because he thought the game, the first half inning was starting. And the kid, he goes out to the bullpen. So it's the Indian, it was the Indians, uh, management or whatever. They didn't get the kid up. They didn't tell the kid, hey, you gotta get ready. The game starts at 7.05. Got a little bit of local home cooking there. By the way, speaking of local, before we leave baseball here and go talk some, uh, Bulls in Philadelphia, got to throw some kudos out. Big dog to Lyola Academy High School which is located uh, not much more than 15, 20 minutes from our studios here at the two guys at a Mike Talk Zone.com. A couple of Iola guys have been uh, Major League Baseball of late. And um, 
specifically two days ago, the home plate umpire, I think it's his fourth year in the majors now, but the home plate umpire for the Cubs game was Danny Bellino, a graduate of Loyola, University, uh, Loyola Academy. And the pitcher who pitched his first MLB game yesterday for the Colorado Rockies, he threw six innings, gave up a couple of runs, and got the W, Christian Frederick. Didn't know. Oh, heck yeah. From Loyola heck Academy. So um, nice to see those guys succeeding, local kids. Um, and uh, I'm just going to flat out tell you this right now, people. And when I say this, people are going to be like, yeah, right. Becoming an umpire is more difficult than becoming a major league baseball player. A major league umpire, there's four people per unit, and there are 17 units in major league baseball. Mm-hmm. There are 68 and a couple alternates. There's about 80 major league umpires. And when these guys become an umpire, they last 20 to 30 years because they don't get these jobs up. But you got to work your way up. Yes, you do. You do. I'm not saying that. Yeah, and it's just, in order to, that my point is to become one is almost impossible. Think about how hard it is. Think, would you rather be a play-by-play guy for the Chicago Cubs, or would you rather be a senator in the United States of America, Coach? Honestly. Play-by-play guy for the Cubs. Okay, so, and so would most other people. Think about this. There's only 30 play-by-play jobs in America, and there's 100 senatorial seats. It's wow. easier to become a senator than wow. it is to become the play-by-play voice of the Chicago Cubs. Interesting. Now I know why our government is so messed up. There you go. There you go. The, the best people right now, Pat Hughes, should be voting on gay marriage right now, okay? <laughs> he probably is, just yeah, not on know, the he air. Probably would, he would make the right vote. He would, you know, he would, he'd make the right decision, trust mm-hmm. me. The, man, the man's a genius. Yeah, but then Bob Brenly's vote would offshoot him, and then the two of them would you know, just kind of nullify each other. So what the <laughs> oh, hell good God. is it? By the way, as a sideline, I, uh, I knew a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, umpire Danny Bellino as he was growing up. And it's interesting that he's in a position of authority now, Big Dog, as a Major League Baseball umpire, because he was a, not total, but he was a definitive bit of a loose cannon when he was young. A guy who would defy authority. An outside-the-box guy got himself in a little, good guy, but got himself in a little bit of trouble, and it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that someone like that in his younger years becomes a Major League Baseball umpire whose job, of course, is to control the game. You know, it's it's funny. It's like my friends who never played sports with me, they're like, you umpire? And then my friends who, they say that for my friends who play sports with me, they're like, dude, you don't know. This guy's like the Mr. Rule guy. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess you just never know, Coach. You just never know. The guy might have wanted, might have always dreamed of wearing the blue. Mm-hmm. All right, let's open. talk real quick here. A few minutes left in the program. Phone lines open. Big Dog and the Coach spanning the sports and political globe today and the two guys in a mic show. Phone lines are open at 888-463-6748. We do have a game six tonight. Chicago Bulls taking on the Sixers at Philadelphia. The psyche of the series has changed a little bit, Big Dog. You saw Philadelphia with the swagger after the Rose injury, and they won a game, and then the Bulls came out. I don't know if you call it swagger, but they played hard. They got back to playing bull basketball. Game six tonight, psychologically, what do you, you think Philadelphia regains the swagger, or does that one loss kind of a shot at him. No, no, no. The Bulls totally have the swagger now because uh, they have the fresh legs. I have one word for you. Scalabrini. He's a factor. Okay. The guy hasn't played all season. Yep. He's going to get significant tick tonight. Yep. And this is a man. He's a champion coach. So think about it. Mike James, Mitch, and Scalabrini <laughs> are the only ones. Oh, Rip Hamilton, too. Uh-huh. The three players, but Rip Hamilton sucks. They have 
three players with championship rings on. I, we need more Mike James. We need more Brian Scalabrini. Yeah, you know I'm kidding. But I I, I really like – the Bulls are a five-point favorite. People are going to get killed. What a surprise they cruised in the last game. I, it, are they a they're a five-point favorite tonight? No, no, no. Tonight I would put so, as a pick yeah. I would put a pick on tonight. Yeah. But it, it all depends on – no, I don't think Joe Camillo is going to play. Hopefully – they say game-time decision. That means Joe Camillo is not going to play. Hopefully Taj is healthy. I don't expect mm-hmm. him to play either, Coach. With, I don't know what to say. All I can tell you is this. Is I expect a hard-fought great effort by the Chicago Bulls. And if the over-under is anywhere from 165 or higher, bet your freaking house on the under in this ballgame. <laughs> Seriously, Coach. Yeah. If they, if they expect both these teams to get into the 80s, they're, they're kidding themselves. It's going to be impossible. Last game, Philadelphia, we held them to what, 69 points? Yes. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't really, I, w- I would like to see the over-under in that game. Mm-hmm. Because normally in an NBA basketball game, the over-under is like 190. That's typical with an over. And that this game, it can't be over 160. It would yeah. really be. <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, it's not going to be pretty. Every shot will be contested. Game six. Got another game six tonight. I think the uh, Lakers and Denver. Denver giving L.A. a little bit of a trouble. What happened, by the way, in Memphis and the uh, Clippers? I didn't catch the final there. Uh, a-, a rugby game started in the middle of the second quarter. Coach. Okay. Uh, and Memphis was able to grind it out and get a victory. Wow. As well, I'll let you know that Philadelphia fans aren't the only. Now, Philadelphia has a storied history of being classless. Like, every year we can give you a new example of them being classless. Like, uh, <laughs> our, like yesterday with our guy Sports by George talking about, you know, in the 2010 Cup ceremony. Well, yesterday Memphis sunk to a new low, and when Blake Griffith got hurt and hurt his knee, we don't know how bad it is, they went crazy ballistic. Yeah, and they were cheering and taunting him. And when he got up and walked, they booed. So I don't know what's wrong with people nowadays, but if you really hate your life so much that you cheer for somebody else to get hurt, yep. you're pathetic is all I have to say. That's, honestly, you're pathetic. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm done with people cheering for other people to get injured. It's pretty Ridiculous. bad. Pretty bad, yeah. pretty low. You cannot be justified. Absolutely. you can. It, it transcends almost the whole sporting mindset. Yes. At I, least... I'm, I want to beat you, and I want to beat you with your best. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't want to beat the Heat without LeBron James. I want the Bulls to have those three walk off the court with their heads down, crying again. I don't want to be like, hey, yeah, well, LeBron isn't here. We got people in Miami are dancing in the streets. That Derrick Rose is hurt. I'm not kidding you. There has they, they like if you go to like do Miami Heat stuff, they like joke about Derrick Rose about how bad he is and how he'll get hurt. It was just like I was so disgusted. What I want to go down to Miami and just start slapping every dude in a song. <laughs> Final question for you, Big Doe. Fourth quarter crunch time tonight. Tom Thibodeau typically will go with, and I like this about him, not the standard five, but he goes with the hot hand. Who do you think fourth quarter, uh, you know, Bulls are up one trying to send it back to the United Center. What five guys will be on the floor for our Chicago Bull? Uh, you know, it's gonna that's going to be really difficult to say because uh, hopefully, you know, Noah and Gibson are have miraculous – no, comebacks and not going to be no. You know, so we don't think it's going to be that. Uh, Ronnie Brewer better be on the court. And you know how I feel about Ronnie, Ronnie Brewer. So Ronnie Brewer, Luol Dang, Amir Sheik, Taj Gibson, I'm going to hopefully he's back. And then honestly, whichever of the point guards, CJ Watson or uh, JL3, is not pounding the dribble mm-hmm. until there's four seconds left in the shot clock and then has to 
uh, treat it like a hot potato. How about that? See, I, 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 I almost think it could be. You might see a lineup late if they continue to struggle, minus Lucas and minus Watson. Point guard by committee. Huh? See, well, if you do that, the only problem is, like, then you can't have Ronnie Brewer on the court. Why not? Because he has, uh, he is, and I, I love Ronnie Brewer. You know how much I love the kid, but he does not have, like, above average handles. Yeah, but that's so the whole if, point. If you put five guys in who dribbling is not their best thing, guess what they're going to do? They're going to pass. Thank you. I see what you're getting at. All right. But you understand my fear is I don't mind Ronnie Brewer on the court at all when you have a legitimate point guard on the floor. Mm -hmm. But don't have one. All of a sudden you have a guard that is that is for a guard a bad dribbler. Eight seconds left in the game. Game is tied. Omar Ashik at the bringing the ball up, calling the play. It's a clear out for Ashik. Could happen. You never know. Big dog. We got to sign out of here. Hopefully tomorrow. uh, On a beautiful Friday show, we'll be talking about a Game 7 matchup over the weekend. Everybody coming out to Water Riders today, I'm doing a tour. All right, Big Dog, be good. By the way, I love this David Olson uh, on our Twitter here. Somebody sent us this. An eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. Mahatma Gandhi. It's a good thought to end the day. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. At 10 o'clock, don't be late.